listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Welcome in to the Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. As always, I'm your host, Don Knock, coming to you live from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, um, possibly the site of a new Apollo sponsor. You never know. Um, but as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Paolo Alves. Again, for the last, I'll do the last intro this time. If you say Alves, we will be blocking you with no potential of being unblocked. So uh, probably go ahead and tell the people where they can find your stuff. What's up, everyone? Y'all can find me at Paul of NBA. That's P A U L O A L V E S NBA. Everything I do from podcasts to articles to live shows will find itself linked on there. And today, for the second time, I think, on this pod, we are joined by fellow Apollo contributor Brad LeBlanc, aka Brado NBA. Brad, tell the people where they can find all your great work. You guys can find my great work on Twitter at Brado MBA. Uh, I'm doing articles. Um, obviously, the um, the Twitter spaces with the rest of the guys after any game. So look out for those. For sure. And, of course, you can follow the pod at Apollo Launchpad. You can follow the Apollo HOU main account and you know subscribe, rate and review the pod, all that great stuff. Um, we do release these pods at, like, 1030 Central Time after we record them, and then we tweet the links out the next morning so if y'all want to get the pod quicker subscribe on said, apple or spotify and you'll have it you know as soon as it hits hits the interwebs so just a little note there but speaking of notes and news and exciting things we got a big piece today from kelly eco of the athletic outlining some things that he has been hearing about the upcoming nba trade deadline so we will lead off with the biggest news John Wall. John Wall, at the beginning of the season, you know, he agreed to sit out. People like myself were kind of shocked that uh, that's the direction that went. But other than the the little kind of two-week period where we'll say not friend of the show, uh, Chris Mannix started kicking up some dust and, you know, saying, hey, these guys need to play John Wall or else, uh, you know, or else what? We haven't found out that just yet. But um, other than that, you know, Wall has been on the sidelines. Kelly Eco's reporting today told us that the Rockets have had some interest in him from other teams, namely the Clippers. We've also heard a few reports recently about a potential Wall for Westbrook swap. Uh, Kelly Eco outlined that a Lakers deal would need to involve a third team or the Lakers 2027 first round pick. So, um, We'll start with there. There's one more element to the Lakers' interest that we're going to get to in a second here. But, Brad, we're going to start with you. Um, where are you at on the John Wall situation right now? Uh, are you surprised the Clippers were interested in? You know, that's a team that people did all their little mock trades. The Clippers were definitely a team that was brought up frequently in those. Um, and, you know, how are you feeling about a potential Westbrook for Wall swap? Do you think it's likely? Do you think the Rockets should entertain something like that? And, you know, just take it away from there. 
Yeah, you know, so with the Clippers, everyone in the offseason after the news that Wall was going to be sitting, everyone was like, okay, the Rockets need to just swap with the Clippers because the Clippers are a team that's on the border. They need an extra piece to get over the top. So they just thought it made perfect sense. But honestly, the, the Wall situation, I stand at the same place I've always stood at. I really don't think any team is going to make a move for him. It's just a difficult situation with his contract. They say everyone's just monitoring the situation. That's what they've been doing the entire season. So, I mean, the wall for Westbrook, I can see that being the most realistic. And even that, I don't see realistic at all because I don't see the Lakers throwing in that 2027 first-round pick. But if you're the Rockets um, and the Lakers throw in a first-round pick, I have to take that trade and just make Russell Westbrook take the buyout. If you want to get some value out of John Wall, that's the way to get value out of John Wall. Even if they throw a second, I know people don't want to do that. I take the value, honestly. Uh, if you guys have a different opinion, let me know. But, I mean, I don't see anything happening with John Wall. I honestly see him staying and taking a buyout in the offseason. Prod, over to you. Uh, we, I don't think we've done any John Wall stuff, you know, very recently. You know, it's gotten dug back up again. But, you know, how are you feeling uh, about the John Wall situation at this time? Yeah, I like Brad, I think. Uh, and let, let me just clear up because we're going to be discussing a lot of trade scenarios that come from the Kelly Eichel piece and Mark Stein's uh, reporting and stuff like that. We're two weeks away from the deadline, two, three weeks away. Uh, this is prime time for posturing for teams, for trying to gain leverage in, in negotiations. So I personally believe you should always take every rumor with a grain of salt. And it's usually the middle term between what seems realistic and what's being put out there. Because teams are always trying to scrap max value on every single trade. And this is an, another case of it. Uh, John Wall being mentioned uh, as a potential, like, uh, with the Clippers as a potential sh- uh, suitor, comes from Raphael Stone wanting to tell the Lakers, hey, um, I don't know, if you don't want to do this deal, there's a possibility that we might trade John Wall elsewhere. And after that, nobody's taking what Russell Westbrook, right? Um I think the Clippers are a team that it could make sense if they wanted to make a push for the playoffs. They've been trying to put out there that they're not, but they probably are because if if Paul George and Kawhi are coming back before the season ends, they likely want to have one more run at the playoffs. Um, and then the, the Lakers part. I would actually need a first-round pick. I wouldn't take seconds, and that's and it's because it's a little bit of nitpicking, but it's because... If Russ comes in, you have to buy him out. And with Wall, you might have to buy him out, but it's not sure. You have this arrangement with him. You can't do that arrangement with Russell Westbrook. We know Russell Westbrook. He's the ultimate competitor. He's not going to be like allow himself to sit. So what the Rockets lose if they get Westbrook is they have to buy him out. And this means that going into next offseason, they lose the flexibility of if something crazy happens and the Rockets want to dump John Wall, attach like a bull pick or whatever it's necessary to dump John Wall, uh, that possibility isn't there if they buy out Westbrook. So it's a little bit of trade leverage that you lose there. Um, so that's why I would need the first. I don't think it's going to happen unless the, the Lakers, like the buckle keeps going on and they lose like five more in a row and they go into the three deadline out like in the fringe of the plane, like a 10th seed or, or a ninth seed or something like that. If that happens, I could maybe see them get desperate enough. If LeBron pushes for it, it's definitely going to happen. But those are all really big ifs. And if I had to bet on it, I'd say probably John Walt just finishes the season here and we see what happens at the offseason. Yeah, I think for me... It really comes down to how aggressive 
LeBron, Rob Palinka, Frank Vogel, those three guys, if they think that John Wall gives them a better chance to win at this point in LeBron and AD's career, we may see something happen because, you know, those guys have extreme leverage in that organization. We'll see how much leverage Frank Vogel has for much longer. You know, we've been in a lot of these Lakers spaces and they're saying, you know, get this guy out of here uh, yesterday, if not two days ago. So we'll see what it looks like from that perspective. If, if LeBron ends up being out on Westbrook, um, he's out of there. I mean, whether it's the Rockets or whatever the case may be, I mean, that's the, the organization's going to count out to LeBron. And, you know, not that that's not the right thing to do, right? LeBron's, you know, second, if not first best player, uh, depending on who you talk to in the history of the game. But um, I think that's what a lot of it's going to come down to. If they feel that Westbrook uh, is going to hurt their chance in the playoffs, I think they'll probably try to be aggressive with the move. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No. I think that what we've heard from the Lakers – I think they're going to try to shop the Taylor Horton Tucker package and see what they can get from that and, you know, go from there. I think even though LeBron has forced his teams to trade away, you know, every single pick that they've had in their arsenal in the past, I don't think the Lakers are going to go to that at this time just because is moving to John Wall the move that's going to take them over the top? I, I don't think it is personally. I think – I think they should have made the Buddy Heel trade, honestly. I think that would have been a lot better for them. Um, but, you know, like we said, they are, are going to move. I think they're going to try to move Taylor Horton Tucker. And that's a guy that, in the Kelly Eagle piece, they said maybe last offseason, maybe before that, the Rockets would be interested in a guy like Taylor Horton Tucker. But he has not had a good year. And that's really what it comes down to. Um, he's a guy that needed more reps on ball. That's really what he excels at. And he hasn't really got that because you have LeBron Westbrook. Um, for some reason, they're giving tank assistant to the regional tank commander, Avery Bradley, a lot more touches. Uh, Brad, I'm going to jump to you real quick. You know, how do you feel about Taylor Horn Tucker? Do you think that there's any chance the Rockets would be interested in him? Even if not in the John Wall deal, what about, you know, we've heard Taylor Horn Tucker is going to be the centerpiece for an Eric Gordon deal. Do you think even that's something you'd be interested in from the Lakers? That's not enticing to me at all. I've never really been interested in Taylor Horton Tucker on the Rockets. I'm looking at that three-year, uh, $10 million contract that he has. Uh, I was reading the Kelly Eco piece, and that cuts into the Rockets' uh, salary cap and what they're trying to do. And outside of that, I just have never really been enticed by him as a player. Um, his, he doesn't have a jump shot yet. It's hard, but he's giving me Nawab vibes. So <laughs> I'm, not, I, I, I'm not enticed by him. He's a better Nawab. I'm not going to do it. Wow. But but I'm, I don't I don't really care about him on the Rockets. I don't really care for him. Yeah. Is that a bad take? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, nah, it was I don't not. It was spicy though. I I, I uh, appreciate you taking it there. Yeah. Uh, prod prod, go ahead. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Talon Horton Tucker is he's making a lot of money, and he doesn't even play a position of need. Like he's going to. We are. We all want Eric Gordon gone, so we can give those minutes to Christopher, so we can like clear up a little bit of the guard rotation. Taylor Horton Tucker is going to eat into those minutes, and I'm not ready to prioritize his development on that huge deal over Josh Christopher, on a deal he has. And another thing I wanted, like I wanted to to bring up is, it's like they were bringing up in the Lakers space that, well, they were bad anyways with Westbrook on the bench. And that's really a low bar to set because this is a player making $44 million. And 
if he isn't going to make your closing lineup, that's what ultimately matters for the Lakers. They want a player that can play next to LeBron and, and, and AD. And with LeBron and AD, you don't want the ball in Westbrook's hands, and you want whatever Westbrook can give you without the ball in, in, in his hands. And if you compare what Westbrook can give you without the ball and what John Wall can give you without the ball, I know overall they're not too distant as players, but the difference is huge without the ball. John Wall can Catlin shoot to uh, a semi-decent percentage way better than Westbrook. John Wall can play a lot better defense on and off the ball than, than Westbrook, yes. Westbrook can. And, and Wall's not going to make the boneheaded decisions that lose you games and are frustrating when you have LeBron and AD on the floor, even when he does have the ball. So fr- from that perspective, it could make sense. But then again, as, as, as RGM himself, Rafael Stone, said, you should always bet on the status quo. Yeah, for sure. So moving on to the next guy that was mentioned in the Kelly Eco piece, um, Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon, they said, receiving interest from multiple teams. Um, the Rockets have turned down those offers, obviously, because he's still on the Rockets. Um, but then they went on to outline there's this internal admiration for Eric Gordon, and they've been really impressed with how he's helped the young guys. We had Jackson on our show um, last week or maybe even the week before, and he was talking about how Eric Gordon does a lot of film study with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., and he really helps them lock into that aspect he shows them how to them how they need to work and uh, i just did a, a another show prior to this with uh clutch city ent guys and we were kind of talking about how when eric gordon came into the league i mean look at his body type then and look at his body type now i mean he wasn't you know Jalen green even at that time but he's added a lot of weight he's not a guy that you know for all the stuff that pelicans fans want to say about him you know he didn't play through injury here he was injury prone blah 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 He's put a lot of time and effort into his body, and he is a different player and plays like a different player. So, you know, having those examples be set by Eric Gordon, I think there is some value to that. But Eric Gordon, maybe to Pell's fans' credit, I don't know what you want to describe it as. I mean, he's not a guy that, you know, has LeBron or Harden-level injury history, right? Um he is a guy that the Rockets probably would have moved last year if he wasn't injured. So probably going to go to you first. You know, do you a believe the Rockets here, and b do you think that there's a realistic path that Eric Gordon is still on this roster following the February 10th trade deadline? I'm I'm calling absolute bullshit on this one, and and and. And it's really easy to figure out why. And the Rockets are putting the report out there because they want teams to believe that, hey, if you don't give us what we want, we can just keep him and he has one more year after this plus a team option. So we can get what you're giving us now. We can get it uh, next year if if we need to. So um, I think it's it's a negotiation tactic. I think ultimately... If there is a way they keep a recording. If it was me, I would keep a recording. If the minimum threshold of a first round pick isn't, or a first round pick that's likely to convey isn't matched, so because there there are first round picks that they could that they could receive that aren't actual first round picks, like the Hawks have a first round pick from the Thunder this year that is lottery protected and it's going to convey into two seconds and everybody knows that, so. If it's a first round pick like that, I'm okay keeping him till the re- for the rest of the year and and addressing the market again next year because his contract will be a lot less scary for teams. 
and even if he does get injured, he'll have time to come back and play again. And then if teams can look at him as an expiring, they'll, they'll, the injury history is a lot less concerning. So, yeah, overall, I think it's, it's as I said, it's a leverage piece. If I believe they're just trying to get the best first runner that they can, and they haven't, and there might be offers with a first runner right now. They just haven't taken them because desperation at its maximum the day of the deadline, and they want to capitalize on that, and they don't want to pull the trigger too early and miss out on some kind of opportunity that might be there, be it a better first round pick or maybe using that salary to take back a salary dump in a three-team trade and that way getting more than a first-round pick, you, uh, you, you never know. So I think Stone's done a good job of telling the fans that he's all about flexibility and pulling the trigger now would be against that philosophy. Yeah, Brad, same thing over to you. You know, Do you think there's a realistic situation where Eric Gordon is, in, is still on this roster following the trade deadline? I can see it happening, but at the same time, I think all this news came out today. It's like a fire sale. Like these guys are available at the end of the day. And I do think Eric Gordon will eventually get shipped. And Prada, you gave some excellent analysis right there. I give you props. It took a lot of what I was gonna say. But <laughs> Eric Gordon though, I think No, you did your thing. Uh, Eric Gordon though, I think he will ultimately get shipped to Phoenix. I know that's a basic take, but it's just like a perfect situation. You know, Eric Gordon being right there with Chris Paul, it's like too good to be true. And that team is right there. And, you know, everyone thinks Golden State is going to the championship, but Phoenix can make a move, especially if they get a guy like Eric Gordon. And, Don, you touched on his body. An underrated aspect of Eric Gordon's game, he's able to get whatever he wants in the paint. He just moves people all the time. He's like a bulldozer. And people who don't watch the Rockets don't really understand that when I say he can get to the paint get what he wants. He moves everybody. He's moving Rudy Gobert. He was doing it three years ago when he dropped 50 on the Jazz. So Eric Gordon, he's a valuable asset, and um, I can honestly see him going to Phoenix, like I said, and get another basic take. But I think the Cavs for Rubio, that's a good little scenario for the Rockets to take as well. So I do ultimately think he'll be gone past the deadline or before the deadline. But if he does stay, as you said again, Don, that's not bad for the Rockets because he's a good influence on the younger guys. Uh, and you know, inherits he'll give the young guys good work ethic at the end of the day. So I mean, I'm not upset either way, but. That's how I yeah, feel about and, that. yeah, and the Cleveland package that we heard rumored did include their first round pick. So, right from from just that standpoint alone, right? I think you can't take an offer that doesn't include a first round pick because we already heard that Cleveland offered that. Um, that was reported by Windhorst, and I think it was reported by by someone else too. So, you know, we've had you know multiple sources as as much as that is like a meme in, in NBA Twitter. We've had multiple reports that Cleveland is offering a first round pick. So, if the Rockets walk away from this with anything less than the first round pick. You know, maybe maybe Cleveland walked back on the deal. Hopefully, that's not what it gets to because you know they haven't made a separate deal now. So I don't know why they would not want to do that deal. Rubio is going to be out for the rest of the year, so you kind of are going into the trade deadline with with that offer in your back pocket. Like, hey, you know, if we miss on everything else, we know we got the Rubio deal in hand. Um, I don't see Cleveland getting a better player than Eric Gordon for that type of package. Right? There are other players that may become available, but I don't think with what they're you know, throwing out their daily out there, they're going to get something better than that. Now, maybe they move Colin Sexton. Well, the Rockets probably aren't going to be in the mix for Colin Sexton anyway. So, Prod, you want to you know touch on? I that? have ask you that real quick. Yeah, I have a, a little bit of an of a hot take. What if, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, that for the Rockets, they really don't have the space to take in another rookie besides the two first round picks that they already have. What if? They're trying to push for instead of a first-round pick next this year, 
a protected first round pick, but three, four years down the line. A pick that has a little bit more of potential, but at the same time is further out, so they can, they have more time to make a decision. Um, they know that they're really like in a tough spot with, with roster spots, so what if they're trying to, I don't know, rather than the Cleveland pick this year, which is pretty locked in between, I don't know, 19 and 23, they want... I don't know, from the Suns. They want a pick from the Suns in 2025 that's like top five protected, where the Suns might well still be contending and that pick might end up being worse than the one you get from the Cavs. But at the same time, it has a little bit more potential. And if something goes wrong with the Suns, that pick could be something better and it gives you more time to, to think about it and to you don't feel pressured to uh, add come draft time to trade that pick back a year because teams know and, and teams realize that, okay, you have three picks, you likely want to trade one back or one into the future, and that's a problem that the Thunder had just last year, and then they maybe didn't get the best return for, for all of their picks because they had so many. Yeah, that, that's been something that you've really hammered home a bunch of times, Prod, about a pick is more fluid than a player, right? You can do more things with it. You can like I said, move it back years. Um, the protection angle is interesting might they gamble on a pick like that, right? Where this is kind of a side of of the NBA, not just the cap, but like management philosophy that a lot of people don't really get into unless you're on some like super nerdy types of pods. But um, you can do a lot of interesting things with pick protections, right? It doesn't just have to be if it's in the top 14, then we don't get it. You can do reverse protection so let's say like we reverse protect that pick so if it falls outside of the lottery then we don't get it and then it could be additionally protected like top three so you can have multiple layers of protections on that pick like you said to try to get into a situation where hey you know we want to try to make sure this pick hits between like 14 to to six or something along those lines there's a lot of things you can do we said reverse protections um we traded away some of those picks that had more zany protections on them, if you will, uh, in the Shingun trade, right? And, and just because you have a pick like that doesn't mean it's worthless either. You can gamble on a pick like that that may not convey and then still use that as a piece in another trade too. Um, Brad, you know, I'll let you react to that as well. How, how do you feel about the Rockets maybe doing like that, maybe taking like a higher risk, higher leverage type of pick in return for an Eric Gordon deal? Um, you know, that's an interesting scenario. I will say that's not my forte with these pick protections and everything. Uh, but I will say um, when it comes to Eric Gordon trade, I would say anything like top 14 protected, I wouldn't have an issue with. Um, just getting any trade, I like what Prod said again, maybe because the Rockets have two first round picks coming in. So you're going to have to free up some space. I've seen people talk about, you know, Nawaba and maybe Tice get traded for a second. That opens up some spots for those first round picks to come in. So when it comes to Eric Gordon, uh, I'm no expert on pick protections again, but I would be okay with them taking anything of a first-round pick for Eric Gordon, to be honest. Maybe even more just because he's been playing so great as a blade. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So we have ran a little bit long. Um, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to get into a little bit more of this Kelly Eco article and then talk about the Warriors game that happened a, a few nights ago now. It's, it's a, been a long break, but um, don't go anywhere. We will be right back. 
Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. And continuing on here with Braddo NBA. Um, we just talked about the John Wall scenario, the Eric Gordon scenario that were laid out in the Kelly Ego piece from earlier today. Um, it is Monday, January 24th. So if anything happens uh, after now, you know, that's when we record it. It's 8.05 p.m. Central Time. So if all these guys are traded in 30 minutes, uh, please don't hold against us. But moving on to the next segment of that Eco article, they talked about Christian Wood. And we've done a lot of... We've done a lot of Christian Wood. Will Christian Wood be traded? What is your power ranking of people that are going to be traded? You know, we've done all that. They basically outlined that the Christian Wood scenario was identical to the Eric Gordon scenario in terms of, hey, we need a good offer to let this guy go. We are totally comfortable keeping him. And um, since the last time we recorded and really talked about Christian Wood, we were asked to kind of give our – give our number on how likely we think a Christian Wood trade is. And I gave a nine when we did that. And I think I've come down a little bit. Um, that was very, very responsive, very reactionary to the incident that happened with Christian Wood and KPJ, right? Because that looked really bad. Um, Coach Silas really made a point to differentiate, you know, there's what KPJ did. And then there's what Christian Wood did. And, hearing that type of dichotomy from coach Silas was like, Hey, you know, fans are going to read into it, whatever they're going to read into it. But the way the coaching staff may view this is, you know, it could be completely different. And when he laid that out in a way that was similar to how I was perceiving the incidents, it made me think, you know, Christian Wood is, is definitely up out of here. Um, since that time, Christian Wood has played better. Christian Wood has looked more engaged on both offense and defense. And, you know, we're hearing this, this story again today of, Hey, you know, um, Christian Wood has interest from Miami. The Rockets don't want to just get this guy out of here. They want to get a peak return for him. Um, Brad, you weren't here when we power ranked our Christian Wood takes. Give us a number on how likely you think it is that Christian Wood is still going to be here after the trade deadline. And how are you perceiving the report that Miami is interested in Christian Wood? I would give it a seven, a hard seven. And like you said, Don, after the, you know, the incident where he just did not want to play, I was like, okay, he's definitely getting up out of here because it just, you know, we don't need that kind of character in Houston, especially with a young rebuilding team. But the the Miami interests are really, you know, I don't really see a fit for him in Miami unless they want to pair him with Bam. I haven't read too much into it, but I guess that could work. But we're just used to Christian Wood not being, a, uh, being able to play next to another big. And that leads into my next point, why I really give it a seven. It should be higher. The Rockets need to be able to play Christian Wood and Alperin Shingun together if you want Christian Wood to stay long-term. Not even the trade deadline. If Christian Wood wants to stay and they want to re-sign him, is Christian Wood going to be the guy that can't play with a center and Alperin Shingun is going to have to play his whole rookie contract 18, 20 minutes? I just don't like that. Uh, Shingun is too good of a player, especially in the next few years. I know he's going to be capable of playing or he's going to be a guy who needs to play at least 30 minutes a night. Just that's the kind of player he is, I can just tell. So I have proposed that the Rockets should start playing these guys together, maybe even before the trade deadline, 
to see the direction they should head with Christian Wood because that's a big part of Christian Wood's future in Houston if he coexists with Shane Goon. That's my biggest thing. But I don't know if they're even thinking about that. They haven't played them together recently after Shane Goon got injured. Before the injury, they were playing together. So I'm really looking at that to see what Silas is doing and what Raphael Stone is doing. They need to see if those two coexist. Yeah, and, and tying into that, that's a really good point. Um, Singun got injured right after the incident with Christian Wood, so he didn't get any extra minutes from Christian Wood being out. And then, since then, it's been four games, and Salas has never played them together again. I wonder if he just knows that, okay, Christian Wood's not here long-term, so it's not as urgent for us to know if they if they can coexist or not. Let me just run my lineups, because... This is not a worry anymore. And as to before, it was mentioned in press conferences and he said it was something that he wanted to see. And all of a sudden, we don't see it anymore. So that was one of my like, okay, Christian likely is out of here because they don't seem to be caring about that fit as much. So my read on this Christian Wood story, the most important thing for me isn't that they're saying that they're going to keep Christian Wood or may not keep Christian Wood. The most important thing for me is look at the team that was leaked. Okay. When you think of Miami Heat, what do you think of? I guarantee for a, most people listening to this, they're thinking, oh, baby, oh, we got that heat culture. You know, those guys go in there, they work hard and they, they, they get the best results out of them. And what does that signify for Christian Wood, right? Christian Wood is the guy that came in with a lot of red flags. Um, he bounced around the league. The red flags, from what we've heard, have been associated with being on time, being professional. And the incident that happened was an incident that revolved around being on time and being professional. Um, so from the rocket standpoint, right, leaking that a team like Miami is still interested in Christian Wood, you're channeling, hey, the biggest, you know, culture team in the league is, is still high on this guy, still interested in him, still wants him. So any of you teams that are worried about him being a bad culture fit and, and not able to be professional, don't, don't worry about that. Look at Miami. Miami still wants him. They're still super high on him. We're not going to trade him there because they're not going to give us the best deal. Someone else is going to give us a better deal. But but just know that character concerns, Christian Wood, not an issue. Miami is all in, and they're going to trade us their best package if that's what they choose. Um, the one thing, if he, you know, I don't think he's going to go to Miami, just, again, getting that out of the way. But just in terms of a fit, I do think it also benefits the Rockets because Bam Adebayo is a guy that is super versatile, very good defender, very um, scalable. I don't like that term because of the guy that invented it, but you know I'm going to put that into play now. Um, I do think a Christian Wood Bam front court would be a good fit, and I think that it is a great leverage use of the Miami Heat's interest in this manner to say, hey. We have one team that's interested. We've heard Charlotte's interested. It takes two to tango. It takes three to make a bidding war, baby. So let's get these offers in. We're not going to move this guy unless we get a good offer. And now we have multiple teams that are in play. And if your team wants to be in play as well, you know, you better come correct with the deal. So that's how I perceive the Christian Wood situation. Um, I think yeah. it's good for the Rockets, and I think it's good – whether they end up moving Christian Wood or not, because again, just because they have these these offers and they have this leverage, it wouldn't surprise me to see Christian Wood stay. I think he's going to get moved. From what we've heard, from what we've read, from what we've seen today, I think he's going to get moved. But if he doesn't, I think 
they position themselves perfectly and it there if it doesn't get moved it's because they really just don't feel like they had a deal that was up to snuff for what they think Christian Woods value is so prod you're going to respond to that go ahead and, and Brad if you want yeah. to go again after prod you know we laid out a lot there so so go right into it after prod's finished and there's more there's more to it with the Miami fit if we were looking into Miami the one the thing that like makes you not too sure is for them to make a Christian Wood trade, Duncan Robinson would have to be coming the other way just because they have their big three making a lot of money and then they have Duncan Robinson at that mid-$15 million uh, range. And they have P.J. Tucker, Tyler Hero in these smaller deals, right? So if they got him for Duncan Robinson, Christian Wood's playing the four, and then you're kind of stretching it, moving P.J. Tucker to the three at this point in his career, so that's kind of weird. But from an assets standpoint, it's also a good pick. When... Uh, Miami is a team that owes a pick to OKC, I think, in 2024. That's protected, and that protection like encompasses all their future picks. Steppenwolf would protect all of them. So they would need to call OKC and protect that pick, which is 2023 or 2024, in order to be able to trade the picks after that. But that's not hard to do. That's something that's been done before. And so you're leaking a team that not only has the point that you made about the culture, um, the fit is there. It could work. They have the easy salary to match. Lincoln Robinson is underperforming this year. And they have the picks. So you can say, hey, Miami offered me Duncan Robinson and two picks. And you can throw that out there and try to have people uh, outbid that. Personally, I don't like a hit deal. I think Duncan Robinson got a huge deal for five years, making, I think, 15 up to 20 million a year. He's underperforming. His only skill is shooting. And if his shooting's not hitting, that's why these contracts are so so dangerous. If if the shooting isn't hitting, you can get 80% of the production from Garrison Matthews, who's making 1 million a year or 2 million a year without nearly the same risk. So I don't love a deal with Miami. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's once again a leverage play, and it's good that Stone's using the the leverage. And worst case scenario, and I hope this doesn't happen, you can always keep Christian Wood until next year. You might not get as good of, um, of a return. But if you're not getting a great return now, it's not like you're missing out on anything, on anything too good, right? Yeah, yeah. Prod, I'm going to be honest. Again, you, you covered what I was going to say. You're killing it up there. So... <laughs> I mean, as for, I mean, Duncan Robinson, I've had conversations about Duncan recently. Him coming in, it's just a contract. It's just ugly. And then again, I'm not big on shooters with big contracts like that because he's a, a guy that's just going to shoot and he's not going to play defense. And if a shot is off, then what is he doing on the court? But I guess the positive is having a shooter like that when he is on next to KPJ and Jalen is a benefit, as we see with Garrison Matthews. But that's not something you necessarily need in a Christian Wood trade, right? They can probably get something better out of Christian Wood. So it's not the, I know it's the only report that we have right now. I know we're probably 17 days away from the trade deadline still. So we're here more interested teams for Christian Wood, but this Miami heat, you know, this news report is extremely interesting to me. It's out of left field. So hey, I don't know what's going to happen with it. I don't, I don't see Christian Wood going to the heat, but I'm interested to see what other teams are peaking interest uh, towards the, the trade deadline. Yeah. Like we said, we have heard Charlotte, um, I would be willing to bet we're going to hear a couple more teams before things are all said and done. But going on to the last part of the Kelly Eco report, just to just to finish things up here, um, it said the Rockets aren't likely to move 
Gordon aren't likely to move Christian Wood. And again, we've given our reasons why we think those are, you, you know, not entirely <laughs> based in complete fact, uh, maybe a little bit of posturing, like we said, but it did say that the Rockets have received interest and are likely to move some of the other guys that include Daniel Tice, David Nawaba, DJ Augustine. So Brad, we're going to go to you first. That way Prod can't steal your, your thunder again here. Thank you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> which of these guys do you think, A, would bring us the best return, and B, is the likeliest to actually get moved? Ooh, likeliest to get moved, I think Daniel Tice. You know, Daniel Tice gets a lot of slander in Houston. But at the end of the day, he is not a bad player. It's just a really a bad fit in Houston. You know, he was supposed to be a good fit next to Christian Wood. And that was just the worst, the worst front court pairing in the NBA. But Daniel Tice can bring good defense. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Daniel Tice, for stumbling on you. But <laughs> he can bring good defense. <laughs> he can shoot a little bit. You know, he's going to come in there. He's going to bring value to a team that needs it. <laughs> Daniel Tice. Ooh, I like it. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see right. Nawaba, he brings a lot of value as well. Nawaba is really good. I can see another team trading for Nawaba. He brings a lot of intensity defensively. Uh, maybe a team like Brooklyn or maybe not Brooklyn. There's a lot of teams that could use a Nawaba. Uh, DJ Augustine, I think the Rockets just keep DJ Augustine. I love DJ Augustine as a backup point guard. He's a veteran. He does everything right. Um, I think that's just a guy the Rockets should keep, uh, keep that veteran leadership in there. So, yeah. Prod over to you. Same same thing. Who do you think would bring the most value back and who do you think is the most likely to get traded? I think it's surprising that uh, Daniel Thais was included in this. And this last paragraph where, where, Kelly, where, where uh, Kelly mentions uh, Daniel Thais, David Nwaba, and Augustine really sold it to me as this is clearly a, what's it called, a posture piece. And, and why is that? So now you mentioned literally every vet on this roster. So you're really giving the vibe that, okay, we're selling because if they weren't, like, why would they literally mention every single person that might be movable on the roster? Like, they're never going to move a rookie or someone younger than, than 25. So them having all, all of them there convinced me on, on that front. And then I agree with Brad. I think the most likely to be moved is Daniel Tice just because he might not have been the greatest fit here, but I think the entire league recognizes that it just didn't work because not because he was bad, but because he's a bad fit. And he fills a lot of categories for, for a contender. He's someone, he's a center who's 6'8", I think, and can rebound well, but is also switchable onto the perimeter. He's someone who can kind of shoot the three on occasion, can kind of space the four. He sets good screens, even if our young guards aren't invested at, at utilizing them. And he has a team-friendly deal where he's making MLE-type money for, I think, three years, and then he has a team option. So I think he could be an asset. There's multiple teams like Brooklyn who might need a center who have the three player exceptions that could take him on. And the Rockets likely would be happy just getting off that deal. Okay, we tried it. It didn't work. Give me a second-round pick at best, and then we'll send Daniel Thais to you depending on what's the money coming back. Then Nuab is also someone who could be interesting for teams. If you are in in the West and you don't have someone to throw at, at star wings or you don't have someone who to throw at star uh, shooting guards, Nuab is someone that you can get 
for relatively cheap. He's a defensive stopper making five million a year. Will won't cost you likely too important a rotation piece. And you get someone who you can use on specific matchups. And comes back and it's been coming back after like a really bad start. I think he went one for fifteen to start. It's climbed back up slowly to thirty percent. So it's a respectable shooter. So you can bank on that a little bit as well. And then DJ Augustine. Kelly threw it through Augustine on there on the last paragraph of the article saying, Hey, there's been a little interest in DJ Augustine. It was like, okay, they will move him, move him if a contender comes after him and they're doing right by him, they likely move him. But otherwise, unlike some of these other vets, he's someone who's been in the league a long time. He's someone who plays completely selfless, who understands that he's not there to be the guy. He's there to set up the rookies. This is about this is a rebuild. It's about getting these guys uh, developed. We, we see on fast breaks, he has wide open layups and he'll throw the... the the alley-oops off the, off the backboard for KJ Martin has done that like three times already. He seems to be a chill guy, someone who can teach these guys a lot. So I, I think even if someone offered the second round pick, I'd rather just keep him. I think that second round pick won't be worth the, the value that he brings. And you don't know what you're going to get back for these other guys. So Augustine is someone you know is a good fat, good mentor. Uh, I wouldn't try too hard to move him. So the only name that we saw on this roster that wasn't a player over 23, we'll say, Jay Sean Tate, right, was not listed in this report at all. Um, there have been some speculation, including the John Hollinger piece from last week, that, hey, you know, maybe Tate's a guy they should look into moving if they're going to be able to get some sort of mega haul back from one of these other deals if they get in on the Ben Simmons deal, right? If they get in on um, maybe like a Sabonis deal or a, a Miles Turner deal. We'll see if Miles Turner has moved or not. Um, but maybe even get more value back in a Christian Wood deal, right? Um, but we didn't see Jay Sean Tate's name involved in this. And I think that is telling, right? Because Prod, like you said, they're trying to get every guy that they're most likely looking to move, get that name out in the mix. Um and get other teams thinking about them. They did not name Jay Sean Tate. Uh, I think Jay Sean Tate, there's a little bit more of a, well, let's say argument, but a contingent of Rockets fans that may want even Kenyon Martin Jr. to get maybe if not starting reps, then some closing reps over Jay Sean Tate, depending on how you know they're looking in that game. Um, Brad, do you think there's any situation that the Rockets would end up moving Tate in one of these bigger deals? And also, how do you feel about, you know, KJ Martin versus Jay Sean Tate starting and closing? I'll say this. When it comes to Jay Sean Tate, that's a guy that every NBA team would want to have. And the Rockets have him right now. So I don't think they'll move him just because he brings that energy and effort every single night. That's a guy that the Rockets should keep. You know, I don't see them trading him. Um, I've seen him thrown around in a potential Ben Simmons trade, and that's the last trade I think is going to happen. So I can see Jay yeah. Sean Tate staying. As for Jay Sean Tate versus KJ Martin, you know, you look back at that Warriors game. KJ Martin had an excellent fourth quarter, right? That's the reason he played that entire that entire fourth quarter all the way into crunch time. You know, Jay Sean Tate only came in the last possession where Steph hit that game winner. But I don't really see it as a versus. You know, it's kind of like who's playing good and and who's not? But Jay Sean Tate, more times than not, if not 110% of the time, he's going to bring it. And he 
just KJ Martin really just came in that last game and he just couldn't get taken out. That's how good he was playing. So I don't really see it as a versus. They can really get them on the floor at the same time. But for that to happen, KJ or Jay Sean's going to have to develop a three-point shot because it's hard for the Rockets to have two guys out there who aren't really good three-point shooters. But I love both of those players. I'm happy for KJ's development. He He's another guy that just brings energy and effort every single time. So these are two guys I love on the Rockets. I think they should have long-term futures on the Rockets, ultimately. Yeah, so we have run a little bit long in this segment. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to touch a little bit more on that Warriors game that Brad just mentioned, and then we're going to do a tiny little preview of the game upcoming against the San Antonio Spurs tomorrow at 7 p.m. So stay with us. We will be right back. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And continuing on to our last segment here with Paolo, a.k.a. Prod, and Brad. So, last time we had our podcast, we did a little bit of, of uh, how do we want to describe this? Um, not foreshadowing, but uh, predictions, I guess, you know, outlooks of, of how things are going to go. So, we have a little bit of uh, a tape to roll here on what happened last time on the Launchpad podcast. So, so give me one second. We're gonna we're gonna play this clip here. Prod over to you. you know, what are your keys here for the Rockets to beat the Golden State Warriors tomorrow night? I'm I'm going to start off by saying that I have zero confidence. I think Curry's been struggling for a while. And- He's bound to have one of those bounce back games, and we know how how the Rockets always catch bounce back games from every start, and they always catch because there was a stupid. All right, so the receipts have been pulled. Prodigy, is oh, there anything no. you'd like to say to Kevin Porter Jr. now, or you know, do we have to have to pull it out of you? Uh, how how are you how? Kevin Porter Jr. for full disclosure is back on Twitter, so he's absolutely a thousand percent going to see this. So when Kevin Porter Jr. listens to our podcast, what, what do you have to say to, for yourself? I am going to, for like, formally apologize for my actions on the past podcast. I should have never doubted any of them. They they absolutely put a good fight in, and they almost won. But I will say, ultimately, we did lose to a to a Steph Curry game winner, and it was on KPJ. So I'm not defending. I'm well, I, I'm not doubling down. I'm sorry, <laughs> but <laughs> we know Kev, uh, Steph Curry absolutely cheated on that play. He pushed off and uh, shot off into foul a thousand percent. Also, should have been ejected for elbowing Kevin Porter Jr. in the face. So I want to get that one in there as well. You know, what was that about? Didn't even get looked at on the monitor. So didn't the like zebras are on the uh, run. The zebras, whoo, they were running <laughs> fast and they were running as a pack. So, um, all right, we had a little fun with Prodigy. Brad, you were on LOR after that game. Uh, you you took the loss a little bit less hard than Prod and I did. We, we ran into our cave and hid like little uh, scared children uh, <laughs> in fear of the Warriors, people on Twitter. So uh, we'll go over to you first. You know, how did you think KPJ did defending Steph Curry in that game? And then, you know, just broader thoughts on, on the game as a whole. You know, what were your big takeaways from that game? Starting with Kevin Porter Jr. on Stephen Curry. 
I want to really get into KPJ and Christian Wood. They're, that tandem did a really good job switching, you know, in that entire first half. You know, Steph Curry, I mean, the Warriors were at the 43 points in the first half to start, but Steph Curry has a whole shot, but six for 21 or 22 and only had 21 or 22 points. So Kevin Porter Jr. did an amazing job on him. Stephen Curry is one of the harder guys to contain in the NBA, even if he's on a shooting slump that he's been on. You just have to run him. That man's running routes out there. You have to keep up with him. It's yeah. very difficult. Yeah. KPJ definitely held his own. It even had the best play of the night, as Jackson said on Lockdown Rockets. Got the steal, cookies, all the way to the other side of the court with a fast break dunk. So you love to see that. So KPJ, I'm giving him props on the defensive end. And I'll give him quick props on the offensive end. He's really killing it last five games. Looks like a true point guard. As for the full game, the Rockets, you know, they lost on that buzzer beater. But ultimately, it's encouraging to see a team in the first year of their rebuild, you know, fight with this Warriors team. Even if the Warriors didn't have Draymond, Clay, Iguodala, that Warriors team is still great. They've been they've been going for a lot of years, and it's their first year being actually good again. But, you know, the Rockets, it's encouraging to see them just fight and show greatness and toughness. And that's what I like to see from this group. And they have a lot of consistency now. The, the, the lineups are staying the same. So... I expect them to grow from that. And on to the Spurs game next. I think they can get a win just building off that last performance. Prod, we didn't get to talk about the Warriors game um, other than on a, on a spaces we did kind of the day after. So what are your big takeaways from the game other than your deepest condolences to uh, Kevin Porter Jr. for the slander you delivered to him on the last podcast? Yeah, I think, I think they did really well. I was surprised that they competed the way they did. When I did when I made my prediction, I didn't I, for my sake, I didn't know if I was going to be out, I didn't know Clay Thompson was going to be out, I didn't know I knew Draymond was going to be out. Um We we but, did have Clay being out when we record that podcast. Wait, we I did. Yeah, I, I listened to it again, I'm sorry. I mean, if I'm you sorry, ask Max Kellerman, Kellerman Igodala is the most important player on the Warriors team. Um This is very true. This is very true. So, I mean, I was really surprised. I think they played really well. They were engaged on yeah. defense the entire time. Curry did get a couple plays where he, he like, his defender was bodied by a screen. I, I'm not going to say anything, but probably a moving screen as well. We know how they run over there. Um, um, but, but, yeah, I think they did a really good job. I, I Going into the game, I wanted Lechante to be the one running around screens just because he hustles a lot. But something I wanted to bring up is there is two possessions that game where Kalen Green is isolated by Steph Curry. And Steph Curry is thinking, oh, it's a rookie. He's not an on-defender. I'm going to cook this guy. He got stopped and kicked out on one. And he got his jump shot blocked on the other. So <laughs> we see Kalen Green has the potential. And if it's a player that can't abuse him physically... He's going to do a good job defending as as well as long as he as he's locked in and they were all locked in. The only thing that could have been better was setting up well, that well, play. I just, I just want to jump in there. You know, we we've had to hear for years about how small and and frail and relatable Steph Curry is. So you know, definitely Jalen Green taking an opportunity to to really bully someone as as fragile and weak as Curry uh, on, on those two defensive possessions. Yeah, and the only thing that could have been better was. Not not even not even him missing that shot. That shot shouldn't have mattered anyway. They should have ran up like they ran a play for a three point shot on the wing, the same wing KPK hit like four or five daggers this year. If that play set up for KPK and he gets that good of a look, I'm betting it's going in. So, and I love Garrison Matthews. It's mostly a joke, but I would have I would have liked to see um, the the ball being given to KPK with six seconds left and see what he could do. 
you know, Garrison Matthews was the guy that hit a lot of clutch shots earlier on during that seven game win streak. So, you know, he had been slumming for a while, but not a guy who you would say scared of the moment, you know, doesn't have a yeah. clutch either. So I think that does need to be taken into account. Um, hey, man, it's a make or miss league. They got him a wide open shot from a coaching perspective. I think that's all you can really ask for, you know. And before and before before we switch topics, I need to hammer this home because I'm going to do yeah. this on every podcast game review whatever until it starts happening armani brooks once again took minutes away from josh christopher josh christopher made two quick threes in the fourth and he only got 13 minutes of playing time i don't care what needs to change you can take minutes away from gordon you can take him away from green if you're not going to play him in the fourth you can take him away from and this is probably the the wisest way to do it you can take the minutes away from armani because he's been i love him but he hasn't been good he's not a good defender he's shooting 31 percent or 30 i think i think 30 one percent from three on the year he's not demanding these minutes he's someone who wasn't the first round pick he's someone who's on a non-guaranteed contract you need to prioritize josh christopher he played great when you gave him that extended run uh after the, his breakout nets game so we need josh christopher's minutes to be as untouchable as Jalen greens are and as Shane are he's war he's earned that and you need to give the locker room the philosophy that if you earn your minutes and you're still playing well, you're going to keep them no matter what. And you could definitely see when Josh Christopher lined up one of those threes, uh, he was thinking back in his head to all those times he tweeted out Steph Curry hate tweets and thought now is my chance to finally get him. Uh, So, you know, we wish he could have finished off that game with a win, Um, but love to see Josh Christopher getting minutes, you know, tearing it up against his arch nemesis. And that was another thing that really endeared him to Rockets fans early on was, you know, we can all unite around maybe not hating Steph Curry, but having a a unfortunately healthy respect of of what he can do and and wanting to play as hard as you can against him. Um, That's, that's about all I have for for that game as well. Um, I I do want to reiterate, I said this on the spaces. We've got into it a couple of times with, with some, some people that are like, very pro Steven Silas. And I just, again, want to reiterate, I have been someone that is extremely pro Steven Silas. So in those discussions, I kind of get confused why I get labeled as uh, a not a Silas defender. But again, I want to point out, so those people can <laughs> watch me in action again, Coach Silas had an amazing game plan. Uh, deciding to go to KPJ on Curry was something that, like you said, probably we would have expected Jay Sean Tate to guard Stephen Curry, but went with KPJ um, that turned out to be exactly the right call. Uh, on offense, they they were getting shots, very good shots. Like we said, the, the Matthew shot was good. They got Christian Wood going early, unlike the last time they played the Warriors, which is a very big obstacle in beating them the last time. You know, if Christian Wood isn't engaged and, and playing well, it's going to be tough to beat anyone. Um, but yeah, you know, other than Josh Christopher getting a, a few more minutes. I really thought Coach Silas pushed all the right buttons here and, and got the team in a position to win a tough game. So, um, nobody's saying on. fire Stephen Silas, okay? Yeah. Nobody said that, especially don't, on this podcast. Especially yeah, on this don't podcast, put words no in our mouth. Was just a really small nitpick, okay? Yeah, and we don't even um, know if Silas is responsible for that decision. For sure. Um, Brad, you had said that, you know, transitioning now to the, the preview against the game against the Spurs, you said you had some stats that you wanted to, to get off here about Christian Wood playing against the Spurs. So we're going to go to you first. Um, you know, Christian Wood has looked good playing against the Spurs. Uh, Brad, do you have your stats ready? 
I actually no, don't have the stats ready. I okay, don't have well, stats okay. Ready. okay, we'll we'll, we'll vent for a second. Grab your stats, get the stats ready. Uh, we'll right, go to cool. Prod first, and then you can come, right, come back good, to the stats. Good. Not a problem. Um, okay, so Prod. So we're going to let Brad handle handle um, the Christian Wood stats. We're going to go to you now. You've talked about the KPJ DeJounte Murray matchup a lot in the past and how you think that's a matchup that Kevin Porter Jr. takes personally. Kevin Porter Jr. is, again, playing really well. Uh, he's had the run of clutch shots. He didn't get as many opportunities as we would have liked in the last game. But you know, why do you think Kevin Porter Jr. has played well against the Spurs? You attribute that just to the matchup with the Jonathan Murray, and how do you think that he's going to to play in in this upcoming game against the Spurs tomorrow night? Yeah, it's KPK is just a really volatile guy, so it's hard to set a pattern for what. When he's engaged and when he's he's not, I thought that was a, a really good reasoning. Just because we saw even in the off season, he took the game he had on those pro runs. I think it was K crossovers runs or whatever. Yeah, Jamal uh, Crawford. Yes, in uh, yeah. I think they're in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. So he took those really seriously, and I can only imagine at the NBA level he takes them even more seriously. <laughs> but the story of the game's not that. The story of the game is. Brian Forbes has finally been traded away from the Spurs, and I have the stats in front of me. Brent Rockets Forbes killer Brent like, Forbes. Rockets killer Brent yeah, Forbes. Ro- no, absolutely. This guy, is, for his career, averages 40% from three, scores like eight points a game against the Rockets on 13 games, so it's not a small sample size. He's averaging 15 points, two rebounds, one assist, and he's shooting 55% from the field, 59% from three, almost 60 on five attempts a game. So <laughs> this guy is the definition of your typical role player that goes off against the Rockets, and they still have a Lonnie Walker, so it could still happen. But they traded him away to the Nuggets, so we're not going to have to worry about that. And, and besides that, <laughs> um, this was actually just a team that Rockets played for some reason always play well against. And you know Bob runs his team like really... Um, how, how do I say this? Let's just say Pop's a good coach, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just sum it up to that. And we know Christian Wood always goes off against the Spurs. Uh, we know Jason Tate has some of his best right. games of his, of his career um, against the Spurs. So we have a lot of Spurs killers as well. And they're not the best team right now. So I wouldn't bet against the, against the, against the win. I think this is one of the games that we're most likely to win out of the entire season. And, you know, we're still on the Manix clock, right? If we can get six or no, seven no, out of lost. ten wins. No, it's no, that was to get – It's not possible? It was six out of ten, and we were three and four going into the Warriors game, oh, and we okay. lost, yeah. so we can't anymore. Okay. Really I, thought, I thought you said – I thought it was three of four. Okay. Well, unfortunately, Wait, we lost the Manix clock. Was it three of four? I thought it was three of four. Wait, you might be right. No, we talked about it on the Rockets. Uh, Fraud had it right. They needed to win six of ten, and they – they had messed that up okay. last game. Okay, so we're just ah. going to miss out on the Manix clock. But um, So, Brad, over to you now. You have some incredible Christian Wood stats you're going to deliver to us of why we're going to destroy the Spurs. So go right ahead. Yes. Uh, as Christian Wood always goes off against the Spurs, the eye test shows it, the stats show it. 25-point game, 15 rebounds, right, in his last three. He, he, just, he does everything when he plays the Spurs. You can go back to last season, the first game James Harden was gone, Christian Wood went off against the Spurs. Every, literally every single time he's going to show 
the Spurs that he's a guy that can shoot, he can get to the paint, he can do anything. He's going to get every single rebound. So I'm looking forward for another monster game from Christian Wood. He's going to pick off, uh, pick up where he's left off. The Rockets have been attacking the paint lately. They attacked Rudy Gobert. They attacked the Warriors team that didn't have a center. And they're going to attack a Spurs team that doesn't really have a prominent big in the paint. So I'm excited to see Christian Wood go off. Looking forward to KPJ. See if he can, you know, pick up on this five game, you know, run that he's been on. Keep the turnovers down. You know, keep just playing slow and he's playing methodical. So you can keep that up. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to see if they can play Shane Goon and Christian Wood together, even though it's unlikely. That's something I want to see. But pass it off to you guys. You know, what I really want to see is Jalen Green have a get-right game. Jalen has struggled the last two games. He hasn't played. He played a little bit in the fourth quarter against the Warriors. Coach Silas had the confidence to put him back in in that last little stretch. But can Jalen Green get going at the rim? Can he get going as a shooter? Um can he finally get a foul call? You know, find out on the next time of Dragon Ball Z if, if uh, that one's going to happen. But, um, yeah, you know, I'd like to see Jalen Green get right. It's not fun to take the Jalen Green slander on Twitter. And, you know, as someone who was a leader of Green Gang, uh, they're coming for me. Uh, just did a pod where uh, I was presented with the, the Mobley scenario. And I was like, hey, uh, let's uh, calm down here, buddy. But um, I would like to get Jalen playing good again, if nothing else, right, to see him him start to string together some positive games. We've seen KPJ start to string together some positive games. Can we have Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. playing well at the same time? That's what I want to see. Um, you know, it may not happen until the trade deadline where they move Eric Gordon and they open up more minutes for those guys to play together, play staggered. And, you know, even, even with the stagger, right. I don't necessarily need them to play good on the court at the same time. If you just have them both playing well in the same game, if it, even if it's during the stagger, right. Um, let's see these guys get hot at the same time and really see what they're capable of offensively. You know, like we said, Jalen green looked good defending Steph Curry. We've seen the stats where uh, he's one of the better on ball defenders in the league, you know, take that with a grain of salt because he's, Usually, Jay Sean Tate or Kevin Porter Jr. is getting the primary defensive matchup. So, but still, you know, you like to see those numbers. You like to see him engaged and, and looking active when he's out there. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. made an incredible leap defensively this year. I think a lot of people coming to the season were like, you can't play these guys together because they're both all offense, no defense guys. And we've seen Kevin Porter Jr. really outline that no, that is not the case. I can play good defense, I can guard Steph Curry. Uh, he's done some time on LeBron uh, when we played the Lakers. So, that's something that has been very beneficial in terms of seeing those guys future together. But I want to see Jalen Green get going on offense. And, you know, maybe Pirtle is a guy that he's able to get to the rim against and maybe get some foul calls because you can understand why – I won't say Kavon Looney, but you can understand why Jalen Green is not going to get calls against Joel Embiid, right? Joel Embiid is a MVP candidate guy. He has all the reputation as a great defensive player in the world. So it makes sense, right? You're not going to get calls against Joel Embiid. But – Jakob Pertl is not a guy that you should not be getting calls against. So hopefully um, we see some of that. And another thing I, I touched about on Twitter that I do want to get into the pod here right as we, we wind down. Steven Silas is a guy. We heard reports that, you know, John Lucas is the fire and Coach Silas is the ice. Um, I want one of Jalen Green or Coach Silas to – stand up for Jalen Green during a game. If he's out there getting hammered the way he was last game, 
get a tech, like get thrown out of the game. Like we're not trying to compete for a, a playoff spot right now. It's fine if Coach Silas gets thrown out of a game. You know, I don't want him to get thrown out of a game, but I you have to do something to defend your players because you can't just keep letting Jalen Green get hacked like this over and over and over again because that's going to take a toll on him mentally as well, right? You don't want him to continue to get hacked and then not want to be aggressive driving to the rim. You have to protect your players. We've seen it done in the past, whether it's Mark Cuban, Daryl Morey, the Warriors. Teams have complained about how officiating has gone. And, you know, Christian Wood, we've slandered Christian Wood's leadership on this podcast a lot. And I'm going to say right now, Christian Wood did the right thing going after the refs in that in that game. He didn't go after the refs in specific towards Jalen Green. He went after them in terms of the Kevin Porter issue where Kevin Porter got elbowed in the face by Steph Curry. But, I mean, look, just because a team isn't a championship-level team doesn't mean you can just let other players do whatever they want to them. I mean, this team, these are NBA guys, right? You need to have a baseline level of respect from the referees that they are not just going to let them go out there and get beat up all the time. And if the referees aren't going to give them that respect for whatever the case is, you know, young guys haven't earned those calls, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, it's on either Jalen Green or the coaching staff to, to go out there and get some texts and say, hey, we're not going to let you beat up on our guy here. So, um, Brad, you know, how, how do you feel about that? We'll go to you, you for this, and then we'll close out with Prov. Brad, hold on. Are you, are you muted? Oh, technical difficulties. He needs to keep attacking the paint. That's what I was getting at. I'm happy that yeah. he's being consistent with that. But as you've said, it can take a toll on a young player if he's driving, 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 and not getting any calls. And Because now that turns into an 0 for an 11 game. And now he's like, you know, you're 19 years old. 0 for 11 games are going to kill you mentally. But you just got to bounce back. And Jalen Green, I think he will be able to bounce back. And Steven Silas, as you said, he does need to get on these referees because the players – don't need to get on the referees because they have the worst transition defense in the NBA. They need to get back on defense. So the coach needs to get on these referees. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's a great, that's a great point by you, Brad. Absolutely. They got to do something about that. So I'm, that's on Steven Silas, John Lucas. I want them to, you know, raise some hell at these referees. Excuse my language, but yes. No, that's what good. I got to Yeah. All right. Love it. Prod, finish this out, and then we'll, we'll do our little plugs and close it. So. Yeah, I think this might not be the best game for Jalen to get his confidence back just because Jakob Pertl is one of the best rim protectors in the league, even though he's not a star guy. And he showed Jalen that he's one of the best rim protectors in the league the last time they played. And we complimented Jalen for keep going, like keep attacking him, even if he's denying you. We want you to stay aggressive. But it might not be the best game, but hopefully he does well. And if his shot is falling... Uh, they, it won't. It won't allow Jakapero to be under the basket so much or trying to rim protect. Um, yeah, I'll look forward to that. I'll look forward to how many minutes does does Josh Christopher play. I'll look forward to does KPK's streak of really good games continue. Um, does Eric Gordon like remain um, a really efficient player going into the deadline? There's a lot of uh, storylines to to follow there, and in. Ultimately, as as long as they're growing, the result doesn't really matter. Cool. So that is going to do it for us today. Um, I had a lot of fun recording this pod. Uh, you know, Brad, since we've done the space with you, right, it's just so easy to do a pod with you because it's just natural. Uh, right. Even though it's not your second time on the pod, man, it, it, we just have that natural chemistry because we've done so much content together. So, again, I want to thank you for joining us. Um Go ahead and plug all your stuff. 
Yeah, first I want to say I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always great talking to you guys in the Twitter spaces. So you can find me post-game with the Twitter space with these amazing hosts, along with Will and Zeke. Look out for those. And I've wrote in a few articles on Apollo as well. You can check those out if you want. I did a progress report on the Rockets, and you can see how I grade everybody. And, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, had fun, guys. Cool. Perfect, perfect. And, Prague, go ahead and plug your stuff as well. Ah, you've killed the streak of calling me Prague for the entire pod and then calling me Paolo uh, the last time when, when we were doing the plugs. I did um, at the beginning, so I, I didn't feel too bad. <laughs> That's all good. Um, you can find me at Paul Alves NBA. That's B A U L O A L V E S NBA. Everything I do from podcasts to articles to the live shows on Twitter spaces with these guys will find itself linked on there. For sure. And of course, y'all can follow me at Don Knock. You can follow the pod at Apollo Launchpad. You can follow the Apollo HOU main account. Um, follow the Twitch account at Apollo HOU on there. And what was, there was some new thing we were doing too. I can't remember. Oh, well, I'm sure I'll figure it out by the time we post this. Uh, I remember, but, um, was the TikTok? I don't know. Follow the, follow the, Apollo, follow the TikTok. I did the Twitch streams. Yeah, I just did those. The follow the Apollo TikTok account as well. Uh, Dez has a TikTok on there that did like 3 million views or something crazy like that. That TikTok um, was hilarious. That was, funny. yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. Uh, if y'all are fans of, uh, keto, uh, maybe you won't like it, but they got some nice keto keto punchlines off on there. Um, but that's going to do it for us. Oh, as always, subscribe on Apple and Spotify. And again, like I said earlier, if you want to get this podcast right when it drops, uh, it'll be right in your feed immediately and you'll see it there. If not, then you got to wait till the next morning. So definitely, definitely um, subscribe there so you can get it super fast. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Again, thanks to Brad for joining us. Uh, Until next time, y'all be safe and go Rockets.